0: love you. love you. Good evening. She hurried to the pharmacy to get medication, got back to her car and found she had locked her keys inside. The woman found an old rusty coat hanger left on the ground. She looked at it and said, I don't know how to use this. She bowed her head and asked God to send her some help. Within five minutes, a beat-up old motorcycle pulled up, driven by a bearded man who was wearing an old biker skull rag, got off his cycle and asked if he could help. She said, yes, my daughter's sick. I've locked my keys to the car. I must get home. Please, could you use this hanger to unlock my car? He said, sure, walked over to the car. In less than a minute, the car was open. She hugged the man and through tears said, thank you so much, you are such a wonderful man. The man replied, lady, I am not a wonderful man. I just got out of prison yesterday. I was in prison for car theft. The woman hugged the man again, sobbing, Oh, thank you, God. You sent help, and he was a professional. (laughs) I love life. It's always exciting. Amen? All right, here's the deal. I'm going to read fast, so I need you to listen fast, okay? Our first scripture comes from the uh, book of Acts. Whenever, when Pastor Darrell asked me to preach, he gave me the list of all the scriptures. And so it was, it's Acts and uh, 1 John and Psalms and uh, John chapter 15. And as I read these passages of scripture, I'm thinking to myself, now God, what's the, what's the big idea here? Uh, these are all over the place. And then God began to lay on my heart and impress, with, impress on me that if you adjust the order of these passages, you will discover the path to commitment. And I want to share with you tonight the path to commitment. This is going to relate in many ways to the path to marriage. Marriage. How many of you understand that marriage is a commitment? Anything that involves till death do us part, that's a commitment. Okay, that's commitment. And so I want you to listen carefully because there are four principles that I'm going to deal with as we travel through these scriptures. Trust, love, worship, and service. And uh, so you just listen and we're going to go for a ride. All right? All right. Acts chapter 8, beginning with verse number 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out. And on his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official, in charge of all the treasury of the Candace, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. And the spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. And this is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before its shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth and in his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who could speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. Trust. I see trust exemplified in this passage of Scripture. Philip had to trust that the Holy Spirit was telling him the truth. The eunuch had to trust that Philip was telling him the truth. The eunuch had to to trust Philip that when he baptized him, he wouldn't leave him under the water. That was a big one. So Philip began to understand the power of trust. And I want to, uh, in this path to commitment, I want you to understand something. That we never... We will never enter into a relationship with someone we do not trust. Amen? Amen. And so, I, I'm, what I want to do tonight is I want you to eliminate this phrase from your vocabulary. It is not love at first sight, it is trust at first sight. That's where it begins. We begin to trust someone. We begin to enter into their space, and, they, and we allow them into our space. And so, and so trust begins to grow and to develop. And Philip understood that the power of trust in his relationship with God, and that Ethiopian eunuch began to learn now to trust the Scriptures, to trust in Christ, to trust Jesus, and as a result, there was a transformation that began to take place in his life. Now, once I've entered into a trust relationship, the next step is love. Turn to 1 John 4. 1 John chapter four. Beginning in verse seven. Dear friends, let us love one another for love comes from God. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have, not have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Now, How many of you have discovered that that's a challenge? How many of you have loved ones? How many of you have unloved ones? We have uh, unsaved loved ones. And some of us have saved or unloved saved ones. You know, it's, the world's complicated. Life is difficult. But what does it mean here that love means that we begin to move closer to an individual? And for men, let me give you an insight here. When, you talk, when men talk about love, what they really mean is respect. Okay? If a man comes up to another man and says, I love you, man, I, they get nervous. Say, you know, I respect you. You're a dude. That, see, that, that changes the conversation completely. Now, now, okay, now we can, you know, let's move forward. But, yeah, I, I just discourage that. Now, women, on the other hand, I think they, they enjoy being told that we love them. They just, that's just how they're made. We, they just like to know that they're loved. And love means that, I, I heard this definition in college, and I, I've never, never really strayed from it. Love means desiring the absolute best for the other individual. That's love. That's love defined. To desire the very best. And I know that, and it works, because the verse that the Awana children learn every, every single Saturday night, they repeat it every Saturday night, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so the love of God is is identifiable through this idea of giving and desiring the best for someone else. Now, there are times when the best for an individual may be painful. None of you have ever discovered that? If you've ever dealt with children... The most loving thing sometimes you can do for them is to warm their southern exposure. If you need help figuring that out, then talk to me later. But anyway, sometimes love is painful because desiring the best for you means that you need to suffer a little bit so I can get you to off the dime and move to the next step. Because no one changes until the pain of remaining the same is greater than the pain of change. That's love. God loves us so much that he will allow us at times to suffer a little bit. Why? Because nobody moves to the next level without a test. Amen? None of you moved from first grade to second grade without a test of some sort. No one moves to the next level without a test, some kind of a challenge to see if you've learned what you needed to learn at that level. Once you've learned it, then God says, now we can move. Now we get to move forward. And you see, some would say, well, that, you know, God's test of Abraham, that wasn't very loving. Oh, yes, it was. That was awesomely loving. Joseph being, having to struggle with everything that he went through to get to the courts of Pharaoh, that was love. That was God's love at work. Mo, the life of Moses, that was God's love at work. The life of Christ. The crucifixion, that was God's love at work. You might say, that's craziness. Well, how many of you realize sometimes love is crazy? It's a little bit nutty. Because, you see, love is a spiritual thing. It is not an emotional or physical thing. God is love. The devil did not create this. God created it. God embodies it. God is love. And without God, there is no love. What the world doesn't understand, when they use the word love in many times, many, in many cases... It can be re- retranslated lust. Because an unbeliever says to someone, I love you, I'm not so sure. Now that sounds really crazy. I can't believe I just said that. But the world doesn't understand the, con- the true concept of love. They want to interpret everything in the idea of fairness. I have news for you. Throw that word away. No such thing. If life was fair, you would all be over six feet tall. If life was fair, I could go into any store anywhere and actually find clothes that fit me. Most of the time I go into a men's store and I ask, what have you got in a 54 or 56 long? Or extra long. They'll go nothing. Then change your sign. This is not a men's store. This is a boys store. <laughs> Forget fairness. God doesn't talk about fairness. It doesn't mean anything. Love. To desire the absolute best. For that other individual. The relationship This whole path to commitment begins with trust. That's where it starts. Getting your friends to trust God, to trust the word of God, to trust it, not to know it, not to understand it, not to figure it out. Just trust it. Just trust it. Trust me. Because once you enter into the trust relationship, now you're going to experience what love really means. And I can, you know, when I I first asked Linda out on a date, I had to trust her that she was going to hopefully say yes. And here this beautiful, young, tiny little lady, you know, Goliath shows up, says, how would you like to go out on a date with me? She had to put even more trust in me. And so from that beginning of that trust relationship, then love began to develop. And the next thing I know is we're engaged. And then we're planning a wedding. And this coming December, we will have been married 45 years. And I can honestly say that I love her much more today than I ever did when we first met. Because I know her. Now, whether she loves me that much, I have no clue. I'm hoping. My fingers are crossed every day. Love. The third step. Psalm 22. Psalm 22. The psalmist writes, beginning of verse 25... From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your hearts live forever. At the ends of the earth, all the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations will bow down before him, for dominion belongs to the Lord. He rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive. Posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring it to a people yet unborn. He has done it. Worship. What is that? What is worship? As I thought about this in relationship to this path to commitment, and how it relates to the idea of even the kind of the dating world. We begin with trust. And then we start to fall in love. We start maybe holding hands. You know what worship is? It's embracing that person. Miguel, come here a minute. Okay, here's trust. He has no clue what's going to happen to him. (laughs) This is trust, okay? All right? This is trust. He reaches out and we shake hands. Okay? This is now we begin to love one another. Okay? We care about each other. We respect one another. Let me use that word. Okay? Worship is when we enter in and we embrace one another. And we... God bless you, brother. You are awesome. Thank you. I want you to understand something. Worship is embracing God. Worship is coming... Thanks, buddy. Worship is coming into the presence of God. Not to be impressed with the music. Worship is not to come in and be entertained by the worship team. And God has really kind of convicted me about this. Worship is not sitting through a song service. Worship is when you enter in and you literally grab a hold of the Almighty God. And you draw Him into yourself in embrace. And now... You can hear the still, small voice of the Lord. Because you see, when you enter into embrace, nobody else, group hugs don't happen with God. It's coming into that place where you sense his presence, so rich, so real. The music is purely mood music. It creates the mood for you to begin to praise God, to enter into a worship time where you embrace him. And there's nothing more powerful than for if I'm holding Linda, if I embrace her. You see, worship is applying value to something where that means absolutely the world to you. You see, when I made a commitment, worship is commitment It's not about, you know, I I don't embrace all the other gods. I could care less about Buddha and, you know, Muhammad and all those. Meaningless. But the Almighty God, why did he send Jesus to this earth? So that he could be embraced. So that Jesus could could grab his disciples. Do you think those disciples ever hugged Jesus? Oh, absolutely. There were probably days when they would hug each other and laugh like a bunch of clowns. Crazy people. There were times when they would embrace one another and probably weep together because there was nobody else like Jesus. There was nobody that could do what he could do. There was nobody like him. And when Jesus, Jesus would go off by himself to do what? To give the Father a hug so that he and God could just grab each other and just hold each other. And he would feel that power surge through him. And that's why that statement on the cross was so powerful. When he said, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because they could not embrace because Jesus was covered with our sin. He was covered in it. He embodied it. And then when he said, it is finished, the debt was paid, and guess what? Jesus was then able to grab a hold of his father again. And there was some serious hugging going on. Why do you think Jesus tells the story of the prodigal son and makes such a big deal about the fact that when the son came running home, the father was there waiting to do what? To embrace him. He grabbed him smelled like a pig pen and grabbed him and fell on his neck and began to kiss him and just restore the relationship that had been, that had been, that had been cut. God wants to have you hug him when you come to worship. He wants you to hug him every day. Linda bugs me all the time. I need a hug. Honey, you're fine. Men, do not ever say that to your wife. The The wrong answer to that question is not, honey, you're fine. The other thing that scares the life out of me, when Linda says it, or actually any woman says it, I've been thinking. When Jennifer says it, it scares me. One of the people here, when one of the ladies on staff says it, scares scares me. You know why? Work is coming. (laughs) Work is coming. Work is coming. Worship to embrace God. You know what idolatry is? It's the height of foolishness. Oh, this chair is awesome. I just love this chair. I can trust this chair. I love this chair. This chair has value to me. It's so valuable. I worship this chair. You, sir, are nuts. And yet, this is what God looks at this is what God sees over and over again. People in the world worshiping stuff and wanting to embrace their stuff. You know, man gets a brand new television.
1: Ah!
0: New set of golf clubs.
1: Ah!
0: Their new car. Come on. God help us. Amen? Amen. God help us. When we enter into the sanctuary and we come together as a family, the fact that you're here means you trust God. You're trusting the leadership here at the church. Number two, you love God enough to show up. Number three, don't let worship pass by without embracing God. Don't use that as an, oh, finally I can rest. No, it's not a time to rest. It's a time for you to embrace God. Why well, don't know the choruses? Who cares? Hum. Make up words. God just simply wants to feel your embrace. God's not going to run after you and grab you, He wants you to invite Him into that embrace. And once we understand the power of trust and of love and of worship, we enter into service. Turn to John. John chapter 15. Jesus speaking here and he says, "The vine, I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit. He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you'll be like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Simply put, fruit is trusting, loving, worshiping, and serving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And producing the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You see, that's, that's fruit-bearing. Because the world is desperately looking for someone they can trust. Amen? Somebody, somebody that I can trust. If you'll trust me, we can enter into a, a relationship of love and respect. And if you love me, then we will embrace. We will know the power of that sense. There's a reason why, why A hug is so powerful. And there's a reason why Satan tries to cheapen it, devalue it, make it evil. But that embrace, to embrace God, and then to to walk away from that experience, just overflowing, because we're now abiding in Christ, and as a result, the fruit of the Spirit flows out of us Bearing fruit is easy. How many of you have ever been to an apple orchard? Okay. Now, what do you hear in an apple orchard? The wind. I've, I've yet to be in an apple orchard where I hear, <laughs> and The apple appears. Another apple. It must be simple because you don't hear anything. It just happens. Why? Because inside the apple tree is everything necessary, the resources to generate these phenomenal pieces of fruit. Whose idea was that? God. Once we enter into this connection with God, Fruit is automatic. You don't need to pray, oh God, make me more, make me kinder. I'm surrounded by idiots. Help me be kinder. If you are in contact with God, if you are connected, if you've embraced him in worship and in prayer and you've listened to him, he will help you handle life. The fruit will come. Don't force it. Don't pretend to be bearing fruit. You know what we call that? Plastic. Ever try to eat a plastic apple? They're really low in calories, but they taste awful. One of my favorite, favorite, favorite
1: old-time hymns sounds like this. Down from his glory, ever-living story, my God and Savior came, and Jesus was his name. Born in a manger to his own a stranger, a man of sorrow, tears, and agony. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him, my breath, my sunshine, my all in all. The great creator became my savior, and all God's fullness dwelleth in him. Without reluctance, flesh and blood, his substance, he took the form of man, revealed the hidden plan. Oh, glorious mystery, sacrifice of Calvary, and now I know thou art the great I Am. Oh, how I love him, how I adore him. My breath, my sunshine, my all in all, the great creator became my savior and all God's fullness dwelleth in him.
0: Hallelujah. (laughs) Heavenly Father, thank you, God, for coming into my life and allowing me to trust you. And Father, as I trusted you, I began to learn to love you. And the more that I learned to love you, the more I understood the power of worship and the more I just enjoyed embracing you. Father, embrace my brothers and sisters tonight. Let them feel and sense the power of a godly hug. And then, Father, may we go from this place, having reconnected once again with you, Father, to produce fruit, Worthy of disciples. That becomes so enticing that it will cause other people to come towards us. Trust us enough to allow them to experience trusting you. And then they will be on the road and the path to commitment. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor.